0: Welcome back to another episode of Relative Pitch. I'm Lauren Green, joined by my lovely co-hosts, Anthony Morris and Michael Brown. Um, and so first thing, I just want to start off by saying, you know, we're all from Georgia. We went to school very close to Atlanta. Um, the, the shooting that happened within Atlanta, this power, it'll be this past week, whenever this episode releases, um, was just disgusting to see. And there are so many different layers of hate and prejudice within that, that shooting that happened. What, I mean, what did you guys, what was your reactions to this hate crime that
1: happened in Atlanta? I thought it was awful on so many different levels. I also thought it was partly awful because it, there was traction before that incident of Asian hate crimes happening all over the country that were not spoken about properly, I would say that. Let's say that, let's say properly, because if they were not saying it would have mitigated the fact that he still would have done this, because you can't obviously look into the future and try to stop somebody, but it would have brought more awareness where they might have been like more like, not prepared because you can't be prepared for this type of situation someone walked in and decided their will it almost reminds me of that whole couple of years ago where there was a school shooting every other week Mm -mm -mm. like it's like why would i still cannot understand why people do this and it just it's just disgusting and it just makes me it's like curdled milk in my soul
0: yeah and you know before i know anthony wanted to speak on it you know with our interview with uh, Professor Todd Wedge we have later on you know we don't speak about it during it but we definitely all you know being from that area commented on how just disgusting it was in the, the different layers and he spoke uh, specifically about you know the the hatred towards sex workers I believe was one of the things that he really it bothered him to know in Anthony what were your thoughts?
2: So my biggest thought um, from this was this was tragic and disgusting, and I don't think it got enough coverage
3: mm-hmm. from media. Yeah.
2: Um, I heard about this from the Everything Georgia Twitter account mm-hmm. before I heard it from CNN, uh, um, Fox, uh, from any, any source like that. So the fact that I had to hear it from from somewhere, and literally in the tweet it said, we are going to say this right here because it's not going to get main traction. Mm -hmm. My guy has killed over, I think it was six to eight people.
1: Yeah.
3: It was eight. eight. Mm -hmm. eight
2: Asian people, and yet it's not getting this traction. But here's my thing, and I'll I'll be the first one, I'm going to bring it back to race because you this didn't get traction just if, in case it was something bigger. Now, if it was a, a Black person or a person of color, um, it would have it been the front page of the news. Let's go back a couple months ago to the Nashville bombing. We didn't know who that man was for a very long time. And then yes. when we found out who it was. It was a white man, of course. We only, it was only there for what, two days? And then, oh, barely, barely two days. Barely. Oh, and let's keep going back a couple of uh, years ago um, with the bombing of the AME church in Charleston. Mm, 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 mm. But And also I was trying to pull up before I said anything about where the Cherokee County, mind you, Cherokee County is where I student taught by the way. All so right. Like I, am,
3: everything.
2: I am, um, I know that area very well. Um, for the Cherokee County um, Police uh, Commissioner, whatever, whatever his title is, to basically say, sure, oh, he was having a bad day and he made some bad choices. He killed eight people. A bad
0: day when I have a bad day, I may swear. I may, you know, have a cheat night, you know, I may have a beverage or two, a, li- a libation. Mm-hmm. Um, I will not kill anyone. I will not kill anyone. I don't think any sane person and say, you know, I'm having a really bad day. I'm going to go murder somebody. It, mm-hmm. this, this, ap- apologist attitude for these white terrorists. I said what I said, white terrorists, white supremacists, um, needs to end, and the reason why it's continuing is the people who they have in positions of power. Absolutely I'm sick of it, and, Lee, this has been a conversation uh, that we've been having for a while. It's been something that continues to come up all last summer, George Floyd, police brutality uh, protests, you know with uh, Black Lives Matter, everything. Um, this, this is what we're talking about, and it continues as we see. It, after all the protests, all the marches, all the petitions, everything that we we did that concentrated summer, it is still happening. And it's happening because no one is changing anything up top. You have to knock them out at the head and they're still there. Um, and, you know, Lil Baby, I'm sure people watch the Grammys, Lil Baby had this amazing, amazing performance where he addressed Pol- like police brutality he spoke about Black Lives Matter or it was all it was just a really cool um, way that they chose to encapsulate everything and I want I, you know whenever I first saw it I was like this is dope I wonder what they're gonna say I wonder what the other side's gonna say about this or oh they're politicizing the Grammys now and they're pushing these these leftist uh, agendas and everything I mean did you did you guys were you you know on Twitter when everything was happening and like
2: live streaming i watched oh wait anthony uh well i was just gonna say the twitter that i'm on come on now like we, we were like this is this is it, this this is is it. The thing. um also i went back and i rewatched because i didn't watch the grammys um live so i went back and rewatched watched it and i loved the performance and yes. Also, I think we need to talk about one day on the show about conscious rap, because I think a lot of people don't talk about conscious rap and basically conscious rap is um, rap that uh, has a meaning that is a social justice meaning. You can, this song, if you're an old rap lover, Queen Latifah, U-N-I-T-Y, which is talking about um, women, women's rights, feminism and everything back in the 90s. So conscious rap is a big thing. And for La Baby, who is a current rapper right now, to um, really be influenced. And he's from Atlanta. So last summer, he was around with all of the protests and the riots that were going on downtown. And he even said in many interviews is that, he saw his friends, he saw his family all going out to these protests and how that really affected him. And he went in and he wrote this song, <laughs> and he, he thought it was not going to get played or anything, and it ended up being nominated for some Grammys, and then they asked him to perform. So that was a big thing, um, especially uh, to be portrayed at the Grammys, and I thought he did a fantastic Fantastic, fantastic time. It told a story. Uh, one image that gave me goosebumps is that he was rapping right in front of uh, the guards. The guards, just like how they were in Atlanta yes. with the shields, And he was yep. right in front of their face. Like that that, that image will always be in my head. It, it was just very, um, such a fantastic, fantastic performance.
1: I will say, I, I didn't watch the Grammys live because I've never been a huge Grammys person. Partly because I am now I am now also, Nicki Minaj hasn't won a Grammy, so I don't care about the Grammys anymore, but to this Grammy performance, um, he is an amazing rapper, I've been studying, I've been studying specifically Atlanta rap as Anthony and Lauren know this whole semester, and I could tell he was an Atlanta rapper just by his beat, he pays true to tradition of the Atlanta Uh, beat and he's obviously changing it he's a conscious rapper as anthony said which has been another theme of atlanta rappers from goody mob and outcast like this is something that is true to atlanta and atlanta has been amazingly real about it from the conception of dirty south rap and i will say like his performance was the best and i will keyboard fight anybody because that's the thing now keyboard fight anybody about that because the i was the grammys choreography this year sucked it was horrible it was some of the worst chore- i could do better and i am a slightly overweight man only slightly and <laughs> i could do better than half of these people but his performance was amazing and when you saw the wendy's you were like yes like oh, yeah. this it, this is atlanta and he is uh, staying same. true to his roots and bringing atlanta back to like the popular culture scene which was another thing about dirty south rap Mm -hmm. yeah i i think
0: atlanta the reason why atlanta rappers y'all we're talking about conscious rap right now i'm sure we'll have another episode on it but it's atlanta is so crazy like we we know this from living there the amount of change a city can go through within a year uh, miss stacy we talking about you man right right.
2: and also like Atlanta, and I i was explaining this to Michael because like, for me, I, my the way I grew up, I grew up in this, in the, the R&B rap community. So it was like, I, I remember Atlanta, even though people look at it as diverse as it is now, it was not like that 20 years ago. It was nothing like that. So the fact that it, it is kind of had this change and it's been growing with the culture. And yeah. now Atlanta is honestly one of my favorite places. I love going back to Atlanta. You go there, you see so many, so much us, like Black culture in Atlanta. It is proud. It is free. It is there. Yeah. Whenever you do something that upsets us, we are going to let you know.
3: Yes. And we are but going maybe, to let our maybe.
2: voice be
3: <laughs> like,
2: I mean, to think that not only just Atlanta, but Georgia in general, like the Georgia, I mean, none of, none of us here are from Atlanta. We always call Atlanta our, like our chosen home because that's where we ended up being, but Georgia in general have kind of found its voice, especially with our generation and the uh, generation right above us found that voice. Yes. And, and it, I love how Atlanta has aligned themselves in the rap community. Atlanta yep for music and yes. uh it is so both classical music rap music country music all of Everything. these things. it's all Atlanta has it all um so whenever people be like oh the south is no Atlanta's different yeah
1: and, and 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 do not do and this is one thing people who do not like the south and I understand the premise about it the history and stuff we you don't have do. to look at Atlanta and other major capitals that are doing you have to look at them because like it's not decided by these huge states like you take Georgia as a whole maybe we're a little risky you right. take you take Atlanta we we right. they will stand behind you if they believe Atlanta in Atlanta and the metro Atlanta area
0: like big cities big it, cities it, are it the hubs just, it,
2: my favorite i, I okay. love it i will always I will always represent Atlanta
0: so going back to like what Michael's, first of all, Michael, who are you talking about with bad choreography with the Grammys? <laughs> okay,
1: I'm sorry, I'm gonna be real. You can hate me if you want to. Cardi B's WAP was horrible. And then was it, it wasn't WAP, it was- uh, No, no, her no. choreography was bad. It, Cause she started with UP.
2: up. And she started it, with UP.
0: Now, yeah, I, that was, I was bad. Saying. I, I was hate saying. the
2: choreo for UP. Okay, that's what I was gonna say. The, the UP choreography was horrible. Now
0: when Wap, she was doing the thing with
2: this the screen and everything, that yeah, was cool yeah. with WAP choreography. I, I thought it was way better. I don't know who choreographed up
1: um because that was, was just bad. bad. I think part crazy. of I think part of her performance that was bad was the costume, she could not move in it. She did not look it, comfortable it yes, the entire the entire even when she went to WAP, she didn't she look comfortable. Megan
2: looked- also the killed lady. it. Megan did. Me- uh, well, I would say when Megan actually performed like Savage and all those, it, it was kind of a stiff. I would say just it, it was, was, it was, it was. So it when was. She came in for WAP. Obviously, she, she let it go comfortable. Um, and I took, you know, let me, let me just say this, you know, I'm sick of this and, and I'm just going to say it right here. Number one, for all these people talking about, also oh, they're going to put this on for kids. First of all, your kids need to be in bed. In
0: bed. Put them in,
2: in bed. bed. <laughs> Good night. And also, let, let's also talk about this. First of all, you know what the song was about. The song has probably been the most popular song of 2021 oh. and the last of 2022. So please, ma'am, or star whoever you are, Karen's, paw, whatever your name is. <laughs> You need to know. You already knew what the song was about, and you knew w- what was going to happen. You have Party B, and you have Megan Thee Stallion. Like you the knew what it was going to be. You knew they were going to
1: do it, right? Taylor Swift with her, just, you know, her <laughs> who did not deserve a Grammy. Uh-uh, okay, okay. Hold on. No, nope, nope, I will have nope. to
0: say, Evermore was a great album. All right, I will. I'll. I'll give Taylor that one.
1: Okay she that was a good one
0: okay anthony no no, anthony.
1: no 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 i'm sorry i'm sorry this is the second album she's stolen okay mm-hmm. wait, wait wait
0: who, who else were album of the year i know it's harry styles oh, was let, it me, du-
2: let me let me pull it up because there are some nominees that i think
1: good my night. internet's acting wonky so y'all know how to say it out loud yes okay I mean, let, me, let me pull it up let me pull it up um Oh, album. But album. I will I will say, I'm going to talk about the Grammy performances. Like, I love Bruno Mars' performance. I will put that out there. I just love the whole vibe he created. I love okay. Megan The Stallion. I love her, like, retro to, like, Hollywood glamour. She did seem a little stiff, but mm-hmm. I love what she did. I like Harry Styles. Um, I like okay. this. I like the vibe that he created. Um, but the choreography is... Uh, the baby and the baby boomers. That was that was so cute. That was so
2: Rod cute wave. Rod Wave also did a great yeah. job on okay. his Dorisha Kitty. That's my girl. Doja Cat with Say So. Um mm-hmm. also, I yeah, think she great. should have definitely won a Grammy because who was been. not listening to Say So
3: sense, yeah. and not
2: doing a TikTok dance, right. but not the no TikTok for, dance. For album of the year, um with Taylor Swift Folklore. Mm-hmm. Um Actually, now that I look at who was all nominated for Album of the Year. That's what I'm saying. Who was nominated? That's yeah. what I'm saying. So, Taylor Swift Folklore, Eco, Aiko, uh, Chalambo, Black Pumas, Black Pumas, uh, Coldplay, Everyday Life, Jacob Collier, Jesse, Volume 3, Haim, Women in Music, Part 3, Dula Peep. Dula Peep. Uh, that was a good pop, album. Yeah.
0: No, she won Best Pop Vocal. Like I yeah. think pop. Album, so she I, got hers. She got her
2: I also have to realize who's doing the voting for album of the year. Right.
1: I want to know who's doing the voting. Period.
2: Okay. So well, it's, I, it's the council, you know. Yeah, it's the council of who is in the the, in the recording artist. So I, I think they follow something similar to. I might be wrong. Um, let me know if I'm wrong. I think they follow something very similar to the Academy Awards. That if you have yep. won the award in this category, you now have a voting in. The category so people who've already won album of the year vote for album of the year and I honestly looking at all of these the nominees I I don't disagree because I'm sorry the rest That's of them people... uh do Lipa's album was pretty good but do Lipa already got an award she got a different one she
0: got it for best pop
4: album, album
2: or just song pop album pop album mm. But you know, and okay, so let's just go through these really quickly. Record of the Year went to Billie Eilish. Um, I personally don't agree with that one. And look, I love me some Billie Eilish. However, in the other songs that were in the category, so where's Beyonce's Black Parade, Black Puma's Colors, "The Baby" featuring Roddy Rich, Rockstar, Doja Cat, Say So, Do La Peep, Don't Start Now, Post Malone Circles, or Savage by Megan Thee Stallion. It was I a heard- lot. I personally like one, let can I just say this that this year's uh they had a lot of songs in a A lot. Usually they yeah. cap it off at five, but they had like eight or nine, and I was like, whoa. But in that case, I honestly think Say Say so should have went with No, she
0: should have because she did dominate the pop charts yeah. for, with that she song.
2: Yeah. Um also I agree. Um, Song of the Year. Um her she won with i can't breathe and <laughs> people have to realize when they say song of the year um what they're looking at is writers okay
3: right.
2: so when they do song of the year and if you watch it it'll say who wrote it so if you have like 10 people who is credited as writing the song most likely you're not gonna win that that category right so her wrote the song her um, her best friend, which is also an artist, and one more person, they all wrote the song, and it's entitled "I Can't Breathe," which mm. is really her story about all of the things that happened last summer, and it, it it very does touch it. So I totally agree with that. But let us know what y'all think of some of these categories. Yeah, what well,
0: with the Grammy results, I mean, it's you know there are some people who absolutely do deserve uh, Grammys who do not have. It's the same thing with how Leonardo DiCaprio just won his or it not just one? it's been a few years now, but it took him that long after playing in Titanic, Romeo and Juliet, Wolf of Wall Street, Inception. I'm like, come
2: on, like, uh, also, give
0: man a Grammy. I mean, awesome.
2: Nas, famous as Nas is in the rap community, just won a Grammy this year. Right. Nas mm-hmm. is looked at as of the top five rappers ever.
3: Right. And he just won a Grammy. I mean, this. The
0: Weeknd it's also, I mean, we know The Weeknd ha- is kind of anti-Grammy now, you know, mm-hmm. because of... And so is Nicki Minaj, um, which, it's crazy because, you know, Blinding Lights, honestly, Nicki Minaj, super... Like, she
1: owned middle school. There, probably, the 2010s? owned it. It was her... Her, fe- her features yeah. on all the Young Money stuff made half of those songs. Who was. Now, what, who won the... Gospel album
2: of the year. It wasn't the gospel. It was the the uh, contemporary Christian album. Contemporary
1: which, Christian album of the year,
2: which went to Kanye West.
0: Oh yeah, is it the um, what is his?
2: Yeah, yes. Uh, let me go to real quick. We knew um, he was. When I saw this, I was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Say that again. Say that again. Kanye West.
1: Jesus is King, I believe, is yeah, the album yeah, name.
2: Jesus is
0: King. Yeah, I mean, we knew that. When I looked at the category, I, I don't think I really recognized too many besides him. And I was like, that's exactly where they're going to go off. I of. mean,
2: but I I mean, everyone knows Hillsong. Um, oh yeah, Hillsong United. Yeah, people do know. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I don't know these other people. Cody Carnes, we, we we the Kingdom, um, but really, like Kanye, though, I, I am. Very confused on that it's, one. But yeah. also, before we even go on anything else about the Grammys, we have to talk about my girl Beyonce yeah. becoming the most awarded uh, female artist and artist and uh, singer, to be a singer, mm-hmm. singer in general to have that many awards. She now has twenty eight Grammys, yep. um, which is uh, the second overall. The first one is actually a classical conductor. Uh, salty and he, he has 31 that
3: yeah
2: <laughs> um, but still Beyonce like first of all everyone knows Beyonce yes everyone knows her and I, I mean I remember her first Grammy okay her first Grammy was with Destiny's Child and I, I remember the outfit it was this little cute little purple it was real cute like I and I I'm a Beyonce stan I could tell you anything and everything you wanted to know so I'm just happy uh, for her. And she also won three Grammys uh, um, at the Grammy night. Also, Blue Ivy, Ivy. won her first Grammy, becoming tied with the- Second uh, youngest. Mm-hmm. The second youngest uh, ever to have a Grammy. So congrats to the Nose Carter family. It was really good.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, and going back just one split second, just something I saw crazy on Twitter. That you know is the people we all know. Okay, so the Doctor Seuss Foundation or whoever owned all his rights and everything decided to pull some books from their their catalog that included very uh race racist images and uh, character character like portrayals of African Americans and Asian Americans or Asians in general. And so this is a decision by the company and said, you know what, we live in a different time and we can't do this anymore. And by us leaving it up there, it's still saying that we're, we're allowing it to happen. So they decided to pull that. Um, And, you know, the, um, there were some people on a certain side of the political spectrum who had a problem with this and honestly compared it to the Megan, the stallion, Cardi B, WAP, Grammy performance. Now I just want to say Dr. Seuss book it first of all it was all books that I had never heard of anyway and so obviously these weren't popular in the first place but these are meant for children right so this is our here children listen and this is your area um Megan Thee Stallion Cardi B yeah I would say WAP isn't for kids I would say you should as a parent you should know how to separate things your kids sees and what they don't see now if you let them do whatever on their phones that's your fault know how to do parental settings, but you are
3: not
0: right, and parent your child, but you comparing something that was meant for kids with something that wasn't meant for kids, it, you sound, first of all, you just sound stupid. You sound foolish. You're comparing apples and oranges. And it's it's just any one thing, you know, I've seen a lot of people say, oh, Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B are the worst things that ever happened to women and feminism and everything. First of all, um, the fact that women, you know, it's like if you're comfortable in your own skin and you're not afraid to show it because yeah, back in the day, like what I'm wearing right now, showing all this, I'd be called a harlot. I have a A written on is it the A? Yeah, the burning A on yeah, my own chest a. or whatever. Things time changes. We are living a different time. So hey, grow up. <laughs>
2: like just grow up. Professor Wish talks about a little bit later in the episode about a sexuality when you are comfortable in your sexuality you look at like you are just the worst thing in the world like mm-hmm. you're just human and it's like we're human number one and number one when i'm comfortable in my skin if that offends you good right i'm not mm-hmm. here to make you comfortable I'm not I, here to me- I think that. that we need to coin that dr william lake he was on here a couple episodes ago <laughs> that is our motto for the whole whole freaking year
0: here it is here at relative pitch we are not here to make you comfortable period on a shirt
1: coin it it's ours for the people who didn't like the walk performance i want you to look up city girls twerk Ooh! if you want to if you want to see some choreography that'll make you uncomfortable Go see what Miami has to offer. It even make you uncomfortable,
0: first of all. But if it does, again, I'm going to just say it. Grow up.
2: (laughs) Let me me just read you this tweet. Let me just read you this tweet. While people always are asking about rappers and what they got to talk about. So in 1977, Eric Clapton (laughs) sang a song called Cocaine. Yes. The song was about cocaine. The chorus of the song was just the word cocaine. The gist of the song is if you want to make friends and have a good time, use cocaine. Anyway, what rap song are we complaining about today? Period.
0: They say we're such snowflakes and they act as if there was it was only like just purity culture back in their times. Wasn't it? I've
2: heard yeah. many songs. Many okay. songs.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, quite a lot of songs actually. But anyway, y'all will hear us talk a little bit more about the Grammys and other things that happened on later in the interview with uh, Professor Todd Wedge. So I think we should uh, segue over to that yeah. now.
2: Today, we have the pleasure of having Professor Todd Wedge. He is my personal voice teacher for four years. I love him to death. So, hello, Professor Wedge. How are you doing? Hello,
5: everyone. I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. I'm excited to talk with you guys.
2: Yes, we are so excited um, for you to be here. So, first and foremost, we always ask um, please give us a little bio about yourself. Where did you? come from, where did the schools? How did you get where you are now? Some interesting things. We love the good tea around here. So please, please, please let us know.
5: Um, okay, so I grew up a wee little lad in uh, a city called Port Huron, Michigan, which is right above Detroit. And I actually, my music, uh, my music career sort of started in fifth grade on the trombone. And okay. um, it was the trombone because uh, my uncle had one in his closet and it was free so that's what I played um yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I played I played that and um so I grew up an instrumentalist actually um we did not believe it or not we didn't have choir in my uh middle school or my high school um so like the cheapest fine art there is and um we <laughs> we didn't have it so um my singing kind of happened through the church and uh then my brother was classically trained with um This sweet little lady down the street, um, you know, and uh, and he was he had a beautiful voice, and uh, so I kind of you know every little kid wants to be like their older sibling, and so I kind of followed suit, and soon um, so I was at Interlochen, uh, the summer program there. I went to I went there every summer, and uh, I was actually singing, um, I think it was in the shower or something like that, and uh, uh, and uh, one of the teachers overheard me, and said, "Are you?" Really good at the trombone, and <laughs> I said, No, <laughs> I mean, I'm good enough to be in like the middle, you know. I was in first chair at Interlochen, but yeah. uh, you know, uh, but uh, and he said, Well, why don't you come? Why don't you come, uh, sing for me and meet me at this time? So I came hey, I in this room and I sang for him. And he said, Uh, you know, I don't know how good you are at trombone, but I, you could probably go a lot further in this music world if you were to sing. And as so then I kind of started taking lessons, and really, really that was my cup of tea, the languages. Mm-hmm. And um, so I grew up in musical theater. I loved musical theater like a lot of us did, but I always, I loved classical singing. I loved the classical singing. And I, I said to myself, wouldn't it, I said to my voice teacher, as dumb as this statement sounds, um, I really wish that musical theater was using more classical singing all the time. And I wish that there weren't words because I don't like to speak on stage. And she said, well, there's a thing. <laughs> Hold on, And uh, uh, Opera. Yeah, uh, and so so I did hold on to uh, the trombone. I was planning on going to college as a double major uh, mm-hmm. in trombone and voice. Um, the schools that I got in for voice were wonderful. The schools that I got in for trombone were next to zero. Um, so mm-hmm. I, that was pretty much where I was going. <laughs> <there>. <laughs> and uh, to be honest, I sort of knew. I really kind of did that because I wanted my trombone teacher, who'd been with me for seven years. You know, to, I, I will. You know, but I still have it. So. Uh, Mr. Clark, I, it's out there. I have it. I still have my instrument. Um, <laughs> so then I went to Oberlin Conservatory, um, which was really, really wonderful. Um, I had incredible teachers there and, um, a, a wonderful experience. And that's where my teaching kind of started actually officially. I was, uh, my, um, uh, work study job was actually to help, uh, kids in schools, uh, learn to read. They were having reading troubles. So a lot of the kids were, um, non-English speakers. So I got that experience. And so a lot of my teaching experience really kind of came off from no training, nothing, just throw yeah. them into the wolves. And regardless of how much training you ever have, you're gonna be thrown to the wolves at some point. You do have to figure a lot of it out on your own eventually. Absolutely. So, um, so yeah, after that, um, I couldn't decide uh, if I wanted to be a music ed or performance. And I thought I'd figured out my sophomore year. Sophomore year rolls around, still can't figure it out, still can't figure it out. So I said, okay, we're just going to do both of these. And uh, <laughs> so I ended up getting both degrees. And um, uh, then I went to Northwestern right away because I felt that my music ed, you know, that's such an intense program. And uh, my music ed experience was what so I say to my students I understand what you're going through. I know how much work it is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mm-hmm. one of the hardest majors I think you can have
1: because you're also Absolutely. still
5: being expected to be a performance major. Yeah, Pretty much, right? You're, you're in all the same ensembles, you're putting in all the same amount of time. That's and amazing. Anthony knows that being in my studio, I don't teach anyone different. I only know how to want to teach one way. Yeah. And, um, and so, <laughs> so it's a lot of work. So I, really, I felt that I didn't really get a chance to kind of dig in as much as I would have liked to. So I went to performance, I got a master's in performance from Northwestern University School of Music. From there, I would, I actually finished Northwestern just a, a touch early to be with a uh, Chicago Opera Theater where I was a young artist there, mm-hmm. and um, that was amazing. That was my first professional opera kind of gigs, and shortly, and I also um, out of a um, out of the blue uh, that I also was contacted by the University of Notre Dame. They had a teacher very very unfortunately uh, in a horrible car accident like a week before school started. So they called my teacher at Northwestern and said, do you have anybody that can teach and can you know do uh specifically vocal pedagogy and um so my teachers there knew that that was my thing and that's what I loved so um I was actually my first teaching job uh in a, in a school was actually University of Notre Dame <laughs> wow. uh-huh. and I had this beautiful studio and it was just a lovely lovely first gig it really spoiled me um and then uh the recession hit the first one and so as a young artist you know, you're auditioning everywhere and you're um you know, you're getting, you're trying to get yourself out there. And I was really fortunate. I had a lot of, um, I was having a lot of good luck getting contracts and stuff. Uh, But when the recession hit, a lot of us got called and said, we don't know if we can really honor that um, because we're having to make huge cutbacks. So of course, of course, a young artist program is going to be something that, you know, is probably going to be cut because it's expensive. So from there, I saw the world of. performing in an opera and things like that kind of you know wasn't sure where that was going and um I found out about the Chanticleer audition and I, I I thought well this is steady and this would allow me to go around the world and get paid and have health insurance and I think I was like 24 25 at this time so there's no better time to do it um, but I thought there's no way they would want my voice I wasn't trained as a quiet chorister I'd really only been in two choirs at that point in my life and uh, uh, it turns out that year they were looking to replace about, I think, eight or nine singers that year. They replaced most of the ensemble. And the goal was to make kind of a thicker sound so that they could do more repertoire into the, the Strauss or the Romantic repertoire. And so that was his thinking there. And um, so we all came in and we were all soloists and, um, and it was kind of been really interesting to, to put uh, all these soloists in a room and figure out how to sound like Chanticleer. And, um, but it was great. It was wonderful time. I had the greatest three years of of some, some of the best years of my life. Absolutely. Getting to travel around. I pretty much am proud to say I've I've, I've sung on pretty much every major stage and not as a soloist, but I've, I, my feet have touched those stages. So it counts. And uh, (laughs) I've been all in. So I got to do that. And then after that, I was finding out i was finding that when i was spending time like in vienna and we were working with the vienna boys choir for example i was more excited to work with the Boris choir boys choir than i was to do the concert that night in the music which is i mean the greatest place in the world to sing um but i found my i was starting to yearn to i was wanting to teach and um i was sort of their go-to teacher i was like the master class person and all that and i just missed it and i wanted to get back in so i started looking around for um high school jobs and um I, uh, there was, I, I ended up with two positions. One was at a, a very, very, um, well-known, I will not say the name, but a very expensive, well-known school in La Jolla, California, where my office, they showed me, um, had a window overlooking the ocean. And as I was in that room, I'm not, I'm not even kidding, like a pot of dolphins swam by. I mean, there might as well have been a rainbow. It was like all signs point to take this job. And then the next day, I was like, was like three days off that I had in Chantacare because you can't You can't just leave as you know um so i had these three days off and then the next day i had an interview with the san francisco public school system i walked into the school graffiti everywhere Mm -hmm. uh lockers missing dirty trash i saw a rat walk down the hall i feel bad that i'm saying this but this was the truth and it's gotten a lot better since then but uh a really rough situation and Mm -hmm. so of course. I'm thinking, okay, I have two choices here. Um, so I walked into this room of students that um, lacked discipline and lacked focus. And this was the San Francisco School of the Arts. So mm-hmm. I was really quite shocked that um, at the level they were at, considering it's a school of the arts. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, this is a gold mine. This is a gold mine. And this might just very well be my, one of the, my life's, life's work. You know what i mean Mm -hmm. and so um i I sat in front of these kids and all different colors from all different parts of the world and just the day before i was (laughs) in a room with a lot of really 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 wealthy white kids and i looked and i said (laughs) okay this is i the choice is clear i'm gonna go for the harder option and uh so we started i think that uh when i walked in that fall that program we started off with about 30 i want to say 30 31 singers um, I was there for six years and built that program. And to, it became, um, we left with 127 singers. We Ooh. split the program into, it had three different majors. It had a classical, musical theater, and jazz. Uh, a full theory program, theory one through four. So you should be finished with AP theory your junior year. Uh, language art song labs, so you'd have 12 language uh, art songs uh, finished by your senior year. So you have a portfolio. We had an opera scenes unit and um, we did about roughly 12 concerts a year. It was a big, so it was a big, it was my first gig and um, I could have bit something smaller, um, (laughs) but I just went for it. And um, so now uh, those kids are now um, all over the world. um, One of them just made her debut at Stuttgart Opera um, as Third Lady. Um, I've got, they're all over They're and it's amazing. So I, 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 uh, more than anything, I'm so proud that you know we've we've got good good musicians out there, you know what I mean? That that kind of uh because my whole thing with teaching, and I know it sounds so corny, it really, really does, but um I owe everything to my six to my fifth fifth sixth grade uh band teacher. If I hadn't found, if I hadn't shown up at the right place at the right time, mm-hmm. I would probably be a dental hygienist somewhere in Michigan, you know. I don't know. Uh, I don't I don't even want to know. Um so I was so lucky, so I, I truly do mean it when I say I wanted to make myself available so that people could also be at the right place at the right time for me, with me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've been way too lucky, I got way too lucky. Uh, and uh, so I wanna make sure that I can you know, pay it forward, it's, it, it's, it's important and so that's, oh, okay. And then, uh, so my friend, uh, after six years, I was finding again that I was looking forward more to my private studio of my students and I was so proud of them as they were going through the world and, and doing great things. And I, this is really what I wanna, I wanna just focus on this. And I had a, a good friend who used to teach at KSU, Leah Partridge, who is a f- fabulous soprano um, in Atlanta. If you don't know her, Google her immediately. Leah Partridge. You need to know her.
1: You, you need to know Everyone
5: must know her. She's yes. a. Um, she just actually just sang, sang in, um, uh, Naples, Florida. They they did an amphitheater kind yes. of thing. Did you yes. see? Did you see an app? After- okay, great. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So um yeah so she's 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 amazing. And so she said, you know, you should apply for this job, and um it would be great to have you. And voila, I came to KSU six years ago, and uh, so and I'm still there, um, teaching wonderful people like you. And uh, so that's pretty much it's a long one, but that's my story. <laughs> it was like it's been a packed forty years. It's been a very packed forty years. <laughs>
0: So how was Anthony as a student? Was he uh, did he show up on time? Did he learn his uh, his song? He was way better than I was. I can tell you that.
5: <laughs> Anthony was probably the worst student I have ever. Uh, I knew it. I knew it. I, knew, okay. I, knew I felt it.
0: I mean, I uh,
5: just
1: just a mess. You know, disorganized, late, never prepared. <laughs> me and me and Lauren had to fix him with you. I know we had to do I, an intervention. <laughs> It takes a village. It takes a village.
5: I mean, the fact that he's teaching students is terrifying. (laughs) Terrifying. Ow. (laughs) Ow. I mean, I guess he can show them what not to do. You know, I'm leaving um, this.
2: I'm leaving the meeting. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye.
5: (laughs) And I love (laughs) that your goodbye is a picture of Lauren. (laughs) It's a picture of Lauren. (laughs) Uh, Anthony, like the like running that. joke, the running joke was that, uh, you know, we should just let Anthony run things, just give everything to Anthony. Uh-huh. Um, and I think Anthony got that a lot at school, you know, with the golden rule, you want something done, find the busiest person in the room. And so, you know, um, we could always rely on Anthony. Anthony was always and you know, Anthony came to me. I still have his headshot in my, uh, in my, his high school headshot, did by the way, in the studio. Headshot? I'm sorry we couldn't do it there because that is a precious photo. Um, <laughs> you could email but, it, we can share it with him. He was, he, he auditioned here. He, I mean, I can just tell you about his audition. We all remember he was, shirt was pressed, tie was tight, everything was perfect. Came in with his resume looking better than everybody else's in the room. <laughs> um with uh you know just down and uh, so anthony was always ahead of the game anthony's obviously going to be an amazing teacher i miss him i miss yeah. our chats yeah. and um anthony was Primo. we know we, we know he's going to be on for huge things. We got our eyes on Mr. Morris there.
3: Oh,
0: making like supreme controller of the world. I, think I mean, be for
2: president.
5: I think a lot of things will be figured out but, no, very quickly.
2: I will be gray-haired, gray everything, probably on my <laughs> sangria at midnight. Okay, like no, you don't want me to do that. But I can be I, your vice president. Ooh, okay. You don't want
3: that.
5: No, but you, you don't, don't want that. that. <laughs> <I> don't want <laughs> that. Nothing <laughs> will hour, be done. I remember you know, that I think
2: coming to you
5: and it bring like, in bring in Dolly hi. Parton, have Dolly Parton be your vice president, Dolly Parton, Dolly Parton, yeah. Dolly, yeah. Pa- why that, why that amazing icon is not an ambassador, I don't know, because she needs to be going all over the world, representing Gosh. this country, you set Dolly Parton down in North Korea, and mm-hmm. I bet you five bucks, he's gonna be oh, like, man, I didn't really need that that nuclear stuff i guess i you know she's really cool you know nobody <laughs> cannot not like her she and she so cool. she bought us a vaccine so come on come on yeah Jeez, she actually
0: won a grammy again this year right and like we'll, we'll get to the grammys yeah, also later grammy. on yeah
5: 33 percent. oh wow oh my god <laughs> All
0: right. And so, you know, we're talking about, you know, undergrads and everything. So let's go, let's go back to your undergrad for a second, Oberlin.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, have you seen any fun headlines lately concerning school? Oberlin?
5: That school's always making headlines. Um, you know, and that is, <laughs> Oberlin is a funny, uh, it's a, it's a funny place. If you um, don't like being politically correct, that is the, not the school for you. Um, it is sort of, uh, it really likes to, challenge ideas a lot, Mm -hmm. Um, and and Oberlin has a rep, I mean, Oberlin was the first college to admit um, African-American students. Oberlin was, Mm -hmm. Oberlin was breaking rules all over the place and always has. Um, uh, There are dorms without a dress code. I mean, it's, it's, it's Oberlin. (laughs) Yeah, uh, so, um, uh, yes, I've seen the headlines, and this is, um, so, what, what, which specifically would you like me to comment on? Oh, you,
0: know, <laughs> you know, you know the funny one, the fun one um, that has the celebration of Black artistry with all of our Caucasian friends uh, adorning the flyer for it.
5: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was one of the, I think, the first groups of people to see that, and my husband was sitting right next to me, and we looked at it and we said. Oh no! <laughs> so, I actually thought. At first, I thought maybe is this a, a joke.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you needed like sunglasses.
5: You mm-hmm. needed sunglasses to look at those presenters. They were so transparent, the white. <laughs> um, and I know some of them. You know what I mean? I do. You you do. They were so. Uh, yeah, and how something like that can get through? And I don't care how innocent. A mistake it might have been. How can you not look at that and say something's okay. awry here? Mm-hmm. Especially, and you know, the big bummer there is that I mean, it could have just been retitled or something like that. That's fine, but mm-hmm. the incredible wealth of black geniuses in mm-hmm. that conservatory. I mean, Wendell Logan, for God's sake. I mean, I, he's retired, but I'm sure he's if he's if he's still with us. You know, that would have been a perfect person. You know, yeah. it's a school chock full of brilliant people of color. And um, so.
2: Yeah, when we saw it, I mean, I, the only person I knew from Oberlin was you. And so I was mm-hmm. like, "Just are there black people at this Like it was because when you say an artistry of, of black artists and yeah. they, not one of them was black. I was like, I it, know they have to have one black. black.
0: It was Black History Month as well. So that was kind of yes, like, it was. On. it was Black History yes, Month, it was like,
2: I know there was somebody, and also not only Black students there, but I know there was somebody on the PR team before they even posted it, like.
5: That's what I was shocked. I thought, okay, if they're not, unfortunately, um, gonna see that there's a problem there, surely the marketing team of the consumer right. would stop this. Right. It made something. Yeah. Yes. It was,
1: now, it was I crazy. believe Lauren sent it in our group chat because we were like during that whole time things were coming like this whole past year, and so like what especially what happened over the summer stuff we sent stuff in our group chat. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm I'm looking something up. Please talk. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm not, I'm not uh, texting
5: okay. everyone. I'm just oh, no, no, no. looking something up. Um, real
1: quick. And Lauren sent that, and I literally I dismissed it. I was like, that has to be a joke. Someone made nope. a funny joke because you can easily crop in like squares. I was like, that's something she got off of Twitter. She's on a different (laughs) form of Twitter than I am. It's a funny joke. And then when I came to find (laughs) it was was true, I was floored.
5: Yeah, I'm wanting to just check on something because I believe, is the Dean not a woman of color?
1: Oh, I'm trying to look up their faculty and staff right now too.
0: anyone anything like this comes out i'm just like how did no one catch this you, it is, you don't even need a black person on your pr team you just need someone who has common sense
5: i That's think to go
0: hey of- this looks bad
5: this looks really bad yeah. like you yeah. might have to change this yeah <laughs> so i'm not I'll, if you i'll have to check that out i'm not sure but i i feel like when covid was happening i remember uh, some kind of uh uh, like a PSA sort of about what was going on so um you know Michael if you wouldn't mind checking that yes. I'd, be, I'd be very curious to see if that's still the situation and uh what she would have to say on we that. might need you know yeah yeah
0: it was oh just it was just something yeah like there were a lot of like controversial things that were coming out around the same time like we have the bassoon thing that happened with tmea which that, that's mm-hmm. more on the on the uh, instrumental side but that was something that was big within the instrumental instrumental uh, music community and mm-hmm. then we have this uh
2: tulsa yes. opera
0: thing anthony you want to uh, talk about that
2: have you heard anything what happened with literally it was uh 18 hours ago actually
4: oh uh, no i don't anything okay,
2: Um, I'm going to read you. Um, It's by a uh, black or or person of color artist. His name is Danny Ruman. So he, uh, this is what he said. Tulsa Opera just decommissioned me. I was invited to compose a work for them. They offered me $1,500 to create a new work for, for piano and voice, including any words I wanted to use. I wrote an aria called They Still Want to Kill Us on the race riots of 1921. I wrote the music and words. The last two lines are God bless America, God damn America. Tobias Picker suggested I omit the word damn. I refused, explaining that this is how I felt about this country. So they fired me. Fired and him. So the Tulsa, um, the whole purpose of that was that the Tulsa Opera was going to do um, a celebration or some type of. Yeah, it uh, was,
0: commemorating it the, was commemorating. It was commemorating the on. riot.
2: And so this is what happened, and a lot of people were floored by this because here we go, and we'll talk about Mr. Levine later. But here we go with you know uh, uplifting somebody, and we know what's behind the stories. But this is something that is happening in the world right now. This is the struggles that is going on. This is how a whole group of feel about this country. And yet, you don't want to put this on the forefront, and yes. so it literally just
5: it. came out very sugarcoating sugar it. it. Well, especially after Love Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We have something that's very focused on all of that. To to be from Tulsa and um, mm-hmm. that's a that's a poor choice, I think. You know, okay. and look, I mean, when I was in Chanticleer, we commissioned a lot. You know, mm-hmm. we commissioned uh, a lot, a lot, and um, look, we got handed some stuff that was. Uh, not necessarily, well, yeah, some of it was bracy. um, but some stuff we didn't necessarily care for, but mm-hmm. there was always an understanding that this, this is what we signed up for. This is, we don't know what's coming, and, uh, you know, there was some stuff that was pretty tough, I mean, like, almost unsingable, mm-hmm. um, but there was also some stuff that, you know, dug right in, and usually our, well, Joseph Jennings was the director then, and, and you know, you could never go to, you couldn't cross the line hard enough with Joe. I mean, he, he loved doing things that made people think, and, um, that's really unfortunate because that music needs to be heard mm-hmm. that story needs to be heard through that music right. and if we don't if we don't allow for that type of thing to be done on our stage where where's it going to happen this is exactly the place that that should be happening exactly. you know what i mean this is exactly the point because it, singing reinforces these words mm-hmm. and allows you to hear color to these words mm-hmm. that is that that just speaking it out loud doesn't doesn't do
3: Absolutely. and
5: so um you know that's unfortunate. And. Um, uh, especially Tulsa Opera, which is, um, when I think Tulsa Opera, I think, I think it was a year ago, maybe two years ago, where their Don Giovanni was a trans woman. Oh, whoa. Don Giovanni was a trans woman and um, who lives in Germany. Um, She's American, but she lives in Germany now. I'm so upset that I can't remember her name, Um, but uh, trained as a baritone her whole life and then transitioned and decided I'm going to be baritone on stage and a woman the rest of my my life and Uh so uh the first trans woman i think to ever sing uh a major role in an in in, um uh in a in a in a american opera house not Mm -hmm. not not just any role but don giovanni like the 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 casanova the biggest butchess like he's the man you know and so uh and she gave a thrilling performance and it was really well reviewed so it's interesting, right, that, they right. Would, that, that that would come from them. It is very interesting, and also I think like
2: it was going to be written for solo voice and piano, and I think works need to be written like that because I can think of works that are written for a concert band or a choir, like yes, but when something is intimate as a voice and a piano and I remember working with you and we were trying to find pieces that, that really resonated that stuff. It was kind of hard to find. So How sad is that,
5: Anthony? Because had you access to that piece, you would have done it. Exactly. We would have done exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. And just knowing
2: how hard it is to already find a piece that resonates, especially what's going on right now, I think, PULSA, whoever is also in their PR team should have been on it even more because things like that need to be happening. Um, and, it and there are Black singers me. that
5: want to sing this music. Exactly. Are, and there are, and there are all, all different kinds of people that want to sing this music. And there are audiences that need to hear this music. Absolutely. And you know what? Because sometimes when you get the message spoken to you so many times, you're like, okay, okay, I got it. But then when you hear mm-hmm. it sung to you, yeah, it resonates a different way, pun intended. Sure. And um, so we... Yeah, I think that there's a lot of Black singers who are desperate to find repertoire that speaks to them, to the moment that they're living in, mm-hmm. and can help them, you know, this is all about communication, and singing is communication, and one of the things we've got to do here is communicate, you know, this this past year in, in, in particular, I think that, um, I think a lot of people who are not Black really sat back and said, because for years, we sit there and say, well, I'm not racist, I'm not racist, I'm not racist, I'm not racist. And then we I think a lot of us learn that's your, your, it's in you whether you know it or not. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you start to learn these little things. You know what I mean? A little, just, you know, and so what we did, a positive thing to maybe come out of last year is I think that a lot of people learn to listen more. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and stop, stop, you know, just listen, just listen, that's it. Yeah. Like, for example, do you know that, Black mothers have to sit their kids down and give them the talk, which isn't about the birds it's and the bees. Talking about, I, really I doesn't doesn't talk talking about that. Talking about
1: that. my story from that is: I was okay. I watched Grey's Anatomy. I'm one of those people, and there came a part of the episode where Bailey sat her child down and gave her gave him the talk. And I literally went to Anthony's door because we were roommates. I was like, "Anthony, is this like a thing?" And he was like. Yes, Michael. And I was like, that is messed up beyond belief that oh, that yeah. is a thing still today. Also, side note is Lucia Lucas is that uh, transgender baritone. Lucia. Yep, yeah, that we were talking about. If you want to look her up, it's amazing. Uh, yes. Beautiful yeah. story. Um, I, I
5: gave, uh, you guys were at my uh trans singer lecture, right?
3: Yeah. I yeah. think
5: I played her.
2: Yeah, yeah. We talked did. about it there. Yeah, we, we talked about again. it. And we'll talk about a little bit later with uh, LGBTQ inclusivity in, in music as well. So we'll definitely, yeah, yeah.
0: I, just, I just want to say something just to cap off this Tulsa thing um, and just how it, yeah it looked to, to you know, P- POC is I, you know, going through classical, Western classical musical training, you know, most of the music I have encountered have been by dead European white men. And so you know it gets to a point where you go, okay, I I don't feel like I'm relating to this anymore. And you know, recently, you know, I chose my next recital that I'm working on to be pieces that, not pieces that I think people expect me to play, but pieces that speak to me personally, and I am going to have a great experience playing them, and doesn't, it's not going to feel like a chore. And so you know, we need, we do need pieces like this because to have someone like look at this music and go. I feel this, like this is something that speaks to me and to be able to perform that, we don't have a lot of those instances. We do not have a lot of those instances. And so whenever they commission projects over such sensitive topics like this, they have to learn how to be more understanding of, like, I don't know if they're worried about offending people or whatever, but again, I'm going to keep saying every episode, I'm going to say it. I am not here to make you feel comfortable, Dr. William Lake love to see
5: yeah, it. Sure. That's I had to say about that yeah uh, I love it yeah and I mean I I think with the you know with with, with the events of last summer I, like I said I think we're all I think we're all listening more and and then two things I'll add to that I think the day with the talk for example you know that was something that a lot of people didn't know about and um and of course I have a lot of a lot of friends on Facebook with mothers and fathers that are saying what at what age do we need to do this it seems first it was 12 then it's 11 now it's 10 now it's nine now it's first grade you know Mm-hmm. And we, but I think the thing that really, really drew, uh, sent a lightning ball, a lightning bolt through my spine, was when uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms, the mayor of Atlanta, was talking about everything that was going on um, and when the riots were happening, and she said her son, uh, because of COVID, uh, was school was canceled, so he wanted to go with his friend uh, to go, I don't know, do, do play with his friend, you know, go out, go out with his friend, and I think he was a teenager, and she said I had to say to my son. I'm sorry, but it's not safe for little black boys to go outside today.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: And I, that that just, I mean, the, the fact that there are a group of people who don't have to say that to their kids and there's a group of people who do, mm-hmm. right there, okay? Mm-hmm. So um, the other thing I was gonna say, well, we, in our book literature class we had uh, last summer, I think um, I, like many uh, 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 professors, kind of tried to uh, beef up what, um, black representation music i had in vocal lit because as you were just we were all mentioning there's not a lot but mm-hmm. we do live in wonderful america where we have the amazing incredible american spiritual mm-hmm. and um now that we could do a whole nother podcast on just that and you should do it no you know you should, you should do it oral moses we, we have oh, yeah. we had
2: him on and we talked about goth oh okay and, good good and good
5: so like yeah. so oral i mean he came to class and And his, what was so beautiful was um, his saying, white people can sing this music. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can. Mm -hmm. This is a story that everyone needs to tell over and over and over and over again. If we all don't sing these tunes, we won't, we could lose them, Mm -hmm. you know? And which is why, and it was a whoa, it was a very big discussion about you know what, should a choir, let's say in North Dakota, should they be singing um, should they be singing spirituals in choir, or gospel or spirituals in choir? Mm-hmm. And I say yes. Maybe it's not going to be the Moses Hogan ensemble interpretation mm-hmm. of it, mm-hmm. but it tells stories and song and spirituals were an active part of American history. They yeah, were maps. They were messages. You know what I mean? And, and and we all need to know that story. And we all need Absolutely. to know these songs. You need mm-hmm. to know where Wade in the Water came from. You need to know why keep your lamps trimmed in a burning. You gotta know all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, cause it's a beautiful history and it's a history that no other country has. And it's a yeah, style yeah. of music that no other country has. Yep, it's ours. Exactly. It is ours. Exactly. And so, you know, and, and I think one of the things that's been sad and I, I talked with this uh, with Oral, when I was in school, spirituals were on all over the recital stage. Mm-hmm. Everyone was singing spirituals. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I've seen a decline in that. Um, and I, I don't really know why. And I've actually asked my former teacher and uh, teachers all across. I said, are you seeing that students really aren't bringing these in, in as much anymore? Like I'm not seeing the uh, the, the the anthologies and um, uh, Harry the Burley anthology, of course, we all know that one. That was a great place to start. And um, but. So thankfully we have people like Anthony who did a lovely full set of spirituals. And I think that it was the most beautiful, I think it was some of the most beautiful music you sang on that. I think it was, uh, it was my favorite part. I'll say that. It was my favorite part.
2: It was my favorite. And, and that's, I've always said, this is that those, when I sang those spirituals, to me, it felt very, True. Um, and the reason is my my parents and my grandparents they never sing those specific spirituals, but the song the the melodies were very similar and and it just feels like something my ancestors would have done. And so whenever I sung those, and I remember uh uh prayer, for instance, um prayer by H. Leslie Adams. That piece really Oh yes, time, yes, that was every time I got to sing that piece, I had to always kind of Remind myself, don't cry. Remind, because it, it was, I was all, every time I performed that song, I was on the verge of just like breaking down because of how beautiful it was, the story it was. was telling. It was just so, just innately just beautiful. Um, so those, those spirits, they need to be out there. And the fact that after I sang prayer, I had so many other students at KSU, like what is the name of that, that piece? I, yes. I do that song again, like where can I find it? And I'm like,
5: that's what we here, want
2: this is what we want this is why I found that piece and I was like I need to do this piece I definitely need to do this piece
5: and when you see a student like you um approach those pieces and what's the most beautiful thing and I know that I've hit we found your rep you know what Mm -hmm. I mean I was we found your rep is when you have a student that sings it differently every time in a good way, <laughs> not a <bad> way. <laughs> but in a good way, you, 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 you approached it differently every single time you sang it, which was why, um, uh, Brenda was your accompanist, right? Yeah, Brenda Brent, yeah, the fabulous yeah. Brenda Brent, she's yeah. incredible, but yeah. so, she would cry. She, she, I she, mean, she yeah. did cry in right. our lesson, she cried mm-hmm. because there was just a certain connectivity to it that transcends the beauty of the voice. It transcends, we're not listening to that anymore. We're listening to this uh, level that you're at you're on some plane with this music yeah. and uh yeah, yeah she cried almost every time you sang that yeah.
2: <laughs> even on the recital, she cried I'm and sure goes, she
3: like,
5: did. The <laughs> she's so wonderful yeah sweet, love love her. Her.
2: so
0: speaking about you know lucia lucas i believe and you know this pretty historical uh casting they chose i kind of want to go back a little bit you know it is women's history month for a little bit longer and so the i'm currently in a women a music women and feminist thought class right now and one of the topics i had to present on was actually women's roles in opera from the 18th century to now and so one thing that was a huge thing that came up was you know just the, how women were characterized and treated within operas it's, it's honestly pretty misogynistic viewpoints of Uh, women within operas. And I wanted to ask, you know, you going through the trainings and seeing friends, colleagues prepare for these roles, are there conversations that are being, you know, had about the way, do they approach it differently? We're talking about wanting change within operas and possibly the idea of seeing operas set in different lights. So have you been seeing this? Is this something that I think the community is wanting to see?
5: Mm. Yes. Um, so uh, my, I guess you could say expertise, or I think what I'm most familiar about and what I study, I love uh, Mozart history. I love Mozart. I love Mozart's history, and I'm very fascinated about Mozart's treatment of women, um, because if you look at his operas, women are often heroines, like, or they are, uh, they they are smarter than the men, and, but the men, but the big joke is on the men, because the men think that they're outsmarting the women. When in fact the women are always outsmarting the men. Uh, Mozart was a big lover of women, and um, he he was um, as far as we know he was faithful to his wife, but he loved women, and he loved his wife dearly. He just adored her. Um, so he he had a bra- he, I mean, and she she kept the house. I think he was really also he loved his mother very much. He, so he had he had good women in, in his life, and uh, I think he really respected women. I think he I think he really did. Um, uh, if you look at certain, um, examples like, um, there, there's, always, well, let me just say this, there's always, there's always a story underneath that woman's story. So I think Mozart was kind of, uh, well, as we know, he was a rule breaker and he was innovative in a lot of ways. Um, but his operas are certainly, uh, very much a part of that. They, they stirred people up. They, you know, the, the Mozart, uh, the Notte di Figaro did not get as much time on stage because you're talking about the the monarchy and being philanderers and liars and all this stuff. That's not allowed. And uh, so, but he did it anyway. And um, you know, his um, his topic was you know, I mean, Don uh, uh, Giovanni, for example, starts with a, a a sexual assault. You know, on I mean, that's how it starts. <laughs> so um, he, he he shows, I think, a lot of what women go through. Uh, I think and I think he was one of the first people to do it and uh, um, in that new kind of way um are you thinking of Lauren are you thinking of anything in specific when you're thinking romantic opera going into the 20th century? Honestly
0: you can ask the question why did Puccini hate
5: women is what why I want to know. Puccini hate women why do you what 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 makes you ask that and why uh
0: you know, I, maybe, maybe it's not just Pugini, but, you know, within this, the chapter of the book that we use within this class, you know, they gave examples of um, how, I don't women were just shown in this light of like, okay, the altos, you're the whores, you have the surprise, they have to die, the redemption of themselves at the end, like you, they have to die to almost, it's like a cleansing process. And so it was, it's, you know, there are a lot of, I think, views, you can look at it, and people have done the double-edged sword a lot when it comes to these roles of women because it's also like well you're showing women on stage you're putting them in this light of like yeah the the heroine but also why does the heroine have to die you know and then i feel right. it's like the whole it also mm. Carmen, you know bringing in carmen now we have this lead uh is she a, is she a mezzo or yes. cool. Um yeah and so you have this very sultry sensual woman who's just very much like i am who i am and she has to die though for it, you know, it couldn't, it couldn't be the happy ending, which I mean, you know, some people say she had it coming with it, but you know, it's, it's, I guess like we're still progressing through. And while we're still having these now female, huge female lead, they're still shown in these lights. And so I guess the question is how are modern day interpretations happening? Are they trying to embody a different idea with this or what do you, what do you see
5: that it's leaning towards? Well, I think you're always going to have your traditionalists, right? So when you're looking at opera houses, fact of the matter is, Carmen, Bohem, uh, you know, all of those—they they pay the bills, okay? Yeah, right. And so people wanted—they you know—they they are going to want to see Carmen die. Uh, they're going to want to see Mimi die. Um, you know what I mean? Because that's how the story goes. Tosca throws herself off the cliff or off the ledge. Um, you know, and opera, opera, opera it's, its its sex, drugs, rock and roll, and death. I mean, that's that's. Kind of what it is, you know, <laughs> and uh, it's what kind of fuels it. So, um, to be honest with you, Lauren, I would say that it has to do with how you pay your bills, and so that there's some traditional productions that simply are going to have to be that way, you know. Um, right. Now that you, now that you, you, you put it in my head, I'm really thinking, like, God, they all do die, don't they? Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Madame Butterfly, you know, she's got Butterfly, a- Butterfly
5: Violetta, a um, yeah, Mimi, me, yes. me, of course, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's very interesting. That's a great, I, I, you know, to be honest with you, I never, I don't think I've really thought on that that much. And so, I, but I can tell you this. So in terms of the the shows, the way houses are gonna run shows, they're gonna have the traditional shows because they need to pay the bills. And then they'll have their experimental projects where they might do Don Giovanni in a in a modern setting or, you know, in, in something like this. But, you know, you can't really rewrite the opera. Like Tosca has to die at the end. Um, I mean, maybe you could do something different. That'd be cool to see. But really what they just change is the way that she ends up doing it, you know what I mean? So like, uh, oh, but I do think that um, opera needs to constantly be doing things like this in order to stay alive.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: And which is, you know, we were mentioned, we were talking earlier about how I I, I predict, and I hope I'm right, um, that a lot of houses Are going to sort of reinvent and rethink and recalibrate having had this break that we have during COVID a lot of time to think about the the future of their company and of uh, of what um uh yeah what what can change how can they get new butts and seats younger butts young butts and seats that's what they need right now so the boomers I mean bless them we love them um, but when they pass on, we need to have those seats filled and yeah. there are people in my generation. I'm the next generation up. Right. And we want to see like, things like that, Lauren, we want to yeah. see challenges. Um, that's yeah. what me as an opera viewer, you know, I, I, one of the greatest operas I've experiences I've had recently was actually when, uh, here in Atlanta opera with, um, dead man walking Jake Hagee. Mm-hmm. I mean, that opera, you want to talk about a hard topic. I mean, a man on death row who refuses to admit that he's guilty and is, mm-hmm. and forms a relationship with a nun. I mean, <laughs> you know, so Jake and oh, Peggy, God. and that opera just left me, I, I I went home and I like locked myself in, in the room and just thought,
3: mm-hmm. and then I
5: went back the next night and then I went back and then I went back again. Yeah. And it um, was just one of those operas that I needed to see as many times as I could see it because I loved it. I just loved it. I loved that challenge. So. If there are people like me out there Lauren and there's there's bound to be if there's one there's bound to be two if there's two there's bound to be four you know <laughs> that well, is but the thing that watches we have to go mm-hmm. we have to go to these performances right. the biggest thing we can do is not just attend the traditional um yep. la bohème you know we right. need to get ourselves into those experiences so not to not look and we need to encourage people like, yes, I know that you don't know this piece of music, but you need to go because it's important and here's why. Mm-hmm. And um, you also want to be there when history is made, you know, like who knew if Dead Man Walking was going to be a thing, you know? So thankfully people can say, now I was there at the debut and that thing was, now yes. it's huge. It's at, like every opera house does it, you know? Um, so yeah. to, but I, so I think that's, you know, I think that's the message is that when these new, when these new directors are coming out with new ideas and new casting choices and new and young singers or, and singers that are, you know, from different backgrounds, we need to be there. We need to support them financially by yes. buying tickets.
1: Yes, and I will let every opera person know, if y'all are listening to this, please schedule Agnoten. Please yes. schedule yes. Agnaughton.
2: If you've never seen Agnoten by Philip Glass, it is, oh my gosh.
1: I Do yourself a like favor, oh this might gosh. be a good segue do yourself a favor, subscribe yeah. to Met On Demand, uh, yes. watch it multiple times, Thank you. I love and this. then question why they don't pay their musicians. And that's- Okay, before, before
0: we get
5: to that. And the other thing is, I've been, so I've been, you know, with, uh, with some houses, another thing that I, I know that people are doing is when people are doing uh, works that are innovative or works specifically by people of color, um, involving people of color, and to um, uh, what they're doing is they're calling companies and they're saying, is this going to be simulcast? If it's not, and, and I, and sometimes they'll say no. And then, so they'll say, if you simulcast it I have like 200 people that I can tell you right now will pay a full price ticket to simulcast it. Cause if I can't be in, you know, uh, you know Idaho right. and they're doing something really, really cool. I want to, sp- I want to give them my money though.
3: Right. And I want
5: them to know that there's somebody out there in Georgia who wants to pay full price ticket to support and watch what's happening. Yeah. And so, you know, so you know, money speaks, money talks, right? Money is the driving factor. So uh, when we, you know, if you've got that extra money to kind of throw around or or you could just donate to something, $10, right? If you send on a company a $10 check and with it, you say, I, I'm sending you this money because I know you're doing this project and I don't have a lot of money but I'm gonna send you $10 to let you know that somebody out there supports this and wants you to keep doing stuff like this yeah money talks even if it's 10 bucks five bucks you know what i mean it's the message more than it is the dollar amount yeah that is- yeah
0: no i'm looking forward to seeing pause you know whatever opera houses and all uh, venues of classical music what they're going to do you know post post covid we'll say post covid um mm-hmm. but going a little bit back into um you know your earlier life or everything do you have a grammy nomination i thought i heard something something in the a bird a little birdie said something about yeah. that so, um
5: i todd wedge uh no i uh in, in, <laughs> when i was in Jennifer, i think we were nominated two or maybe three times um oh. for cbs that we did i think it was um the Anne on Earth piece, which was like a new, speaking of new works and really creative stuff, this was a mass set by um, all different composers of all different, from all different places all over the world. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was really, it was a really amazing project and um, really cool music and really took the setting of the mass and really stretched boundaries. And uh, so that one, and then also there was a Christmas uh, CD, which it was like kind of like um, pops music. It was like kind of like a pop uh, big band. And, and yeah, um, and, uh, uh, yeah. and uh, so I think the third one was the Mexican Baroque, I think. You were like a semi-finalist for the- music. Oh, me, oh wait, oh, 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 that, okay, yes. Wow. He, he
0: forgot <laughs> his own Grammy nomination.
1: How like, do you so, forget your so own I am so many. He I'm was so, so humble, life. he's so humble. You're talking to somebody who he's can't find easy. his keys half
5: the time, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, look, <laughs> uh, you- <laughs> Yeah, I was so, I, yeah, that was a really sweet and uh, like wonderful thing. I, um so I got, I actually, I was put, I was nominated in the competition twice and I made it to the uh, semifinals uh, one time for, the Grammy also like uh, has like a teacher of the year yeah. sort of thing that they do. And, um, and so that was a, a wonderful honor. No, I did not get the little thing. I wish I would have gotten something. Yeah. I just wanted to have those G-R-A-M-M-Y somewhere behind me, you know what I mean? Uh, but um yeah, it's wonderful. And I think that, that it's uh, the Grammy Foundation is is a wonderful uh is a wonderful thing that they do to really like get out there and, and show the teachers that are you know really trying to, you know, mine was specifically about how I kind of took something and turned it into something, you know, and something else. And so
3: this year's
2: this year's yeah. in year that award was actually an African American man. Um he, it was, games. yes. So, like, it, it is a very good thing. But I will also say the Grammys, we, we have our own topics about the Grammys we'll talk about later. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, something um, that really came up is that Porgy and Bess from the Met actually won a Grammy. And so
3: mm-hmm.
2: it mm-hmm. kind of sparked um, a lot of conversation of, well, they just won a Grammy, it's it's popular, but those musicians haven't been paid in over almost a year now. Um, which I mean, as the classical musicians, we all think, oh my gosh, when you get to the Met, like you, you were just top notch, like everything, but these are musicians who have not been paid in almost a year. How, how, what are your
5: thoughts on that? Well, as far as I know, and I could be wrong, there's, I don't know, I don't know if there's a cash prize with winning. I think it's just a title.
2: I I think it's just a title.
5: It's just a title. So um, you know, you're still looking at houses that have no money to pay their singers, mm-hmm. right? No, but no, no butts in seats, no money. So, yeah. um, you know, I, they will, they will get residuals from that recording. Um, that's for sure. And because that recording just won a Grammy, um, you know, they, they'll probably get down. I know I, I, yeah, I bought that. Um, I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to, you don't have to try very hard to get me to uh, listen to Eric Owens ever. Um, but so uh, uh so yeah, I think you know, it's, really, it's really scary right now is because there's a lot of amazing singers. I'm talking Met singers, I'm talking Covent Garden singers, I'm talking you know, uh, Houston, Chicago, San Francisco level, A-list houses, mm-hmm. people that have over the past year driving for Uber, getting a paralegal license, um, you know, finding creative ways to keep themselves afloat. And it's hard to think that these divas that you are so accustomed to seeing, if you're not at that Renee Fleming level, you probably got another side gig this past year, you know what I mean? If you're not mm-hmm. at that crazy level, I mean, because opera's glamorous and everything, but you know, half of time, those jewels that you see are maybe maybe a dollar fifty, and uh, the uh, the dress is probably a hand-me-down or a, a girlfriend, you know. What I mean? there, this isn't a lucrative career. It looks lucrative. That's the that's the. It looks expensive. Um, the illusion. It is an illusion, yes, right. and um, drag, if you will. Um, it's sort of <laughs> and and. Uh, So um, yeah, it's it's really sad to see people who should be, in my eyes and your eyes, I'm sure, millionaires because they're so great at what they do, and having to babysit, you know, clean houses.
0: What I like loved about the Grammys once I started learning more about what the Grammys was and who was all included. At first, I didn't know that they included classical, you know, uh, performances within the you know within the canon, and so here's the gate though.
5: That award ceremony is the day before. Right. There are no cameras. I mean we,
3: we can talk about that too. Right.
0: Um which also fun fact, do you know who has
1: the most Grammys? Yes. Is it is it like New York or something? No, George it's Salty. It's George Beyonce. Salty. Beyonce. Oh. Beyonce. I didn't know. I did not movies? know that.
5: That makes
1: sense. For, for Chicago? Did you connect Chicago? Okay. I'm pretty yeah. sure.
5: All I'm right. pretty
1: sure. It was sold.
5: but it I thought 30. that was
0: interesting. Yeah. So like the the crazy thing to me is like how we all know how important classical music. Classical music used to be all we had, you know, uh, back, you know, in America's time period. And just it, when it comes to what the Western, I'll call it, say the Western arts. Well, like, it was pop and, music back then. Right. It was, It was the pop music. Absolutely. Yeah. And how it's now taken like a like a back uh, or a backtrack now. Um, but what's crazy is yeah, we are still having amazing performances like coming from the Met. And for anyone, I think even non-musicians, you know, the Met is huge. Like the Met, that's like Metro- Metropolitan Opera. Everyone knows about them. And I think it was just crazy seeing how they do have unpaid musicians. Like I just don't understand how you have a Grammy Award winning um company and with like just like years and years of just crazy performances and amazing mm-hmm. guest artists coming in and you can't pay your musicians it's just it was very well oh, i mean when you say weird. they
5: can't pay the musicians you mean like after the go into that
0: a little no bit. not the no not we're not talking about like like from the grammy because yeah, yeah i don't think they get oh you're before. talking about
5: like like they're like the 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 pit the and all that hey
1: right like
5: you know, right they're like
1: paid so how they live a lot of smaller operas like i know i think i know a trumpet player who plays in the pittsburgh they're doing a lot of small operas they're trying to get yeah, something operas. yeah and they're doing like a lot of people even new york new york uh philharmonic they released a brass concert they're like just doing stuff that they like brought in met brass musicians because they're like you're not working come over here like they're doing something to raise money. And Metropolitan was, I think at one point, the highest paid orchestra in the country. Oh, for sure. And And Mm -hmm. they, like the board couldn't like have like a rainy day fund that could possibly like give them something over this time. And that's where I think that's my problem is the executive boards. We're seeing now some of the executive boards of these orchestras, operas, anything, are not as efficient as others, where some are still being paid, some are doing 50%. That's still better than zero. And it's like MET was highly regarded in how they've been unemployed. Like Vienna Philharmonic wrote a letter to the MET. I think it went around Facebook. Like this is such a travesty that the MET is such amazing musicians that everybody, even not in America has looked up to and not getting paid. Like figure out something like brass quintet, little like little vocal quartets, do something and get some money flowing in because that's better than none. Yeah. Yeah. That's my problem with this whole situation.
2: The Met has um,
1: an issue
2: Um, and and we're going to segue into Since we're talking about the Met, how could we not talk about um, the passing of James Devine? Um, And if you don't know uh, James Devine, he was a very big conductor, everyone or a lot of people would say it's some of the best music the Met has ever done, yada, 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 but he's also had a lot of skeletons in his past as well, Um, from, um, well, some sexual allegations to actually all all of this has been confirmed and we all knew it and I think the Met and Boston Symphony Orchestra have kind of swept it under the rug and I think all of us as classical musicians have heard some of those stories and so my biggest question for all of us and for everyone that's listening here we go um, you know holding up to somebody uh, to being the king of everything and then just kind of forget all of the, the misdeeds that they've done. And the article by the, um, I think it's the Boston Globe, Boston did a Globe. very, very good write-up about James Levine. And uh, Professor Wedge, what are your thoughts on uh, uh, his passing and the legacy that he left in the Med and Boston kind of you know, sweeping things under the rug for over 20,
5: 30 years? Um well, before we jump into that pool, let me just say one more thing about the Met because it needs yeah. to be said on this show in particular yeah. that we have to acknowledge that the Met had a historic moment last year hmm. when they brought back a production because yeah. it was way too popular. they didn't even know how to handle it. Huh? So that Porgy and best and I don't know if you got, I don't know if you got to see we had Janai Bruger yeah. um, who was Clara um, in that and uh, she, uh, so it was really fabulous to talk to her and say, what is it like when that curtain goes up and you're at the Met and it's a show that you can't get tickets to that Porgy and Bess if you try. When it reprised, I was, I had a student, right? I had a student, I, had 50 minute lessons. It like started at 10 o'clock and 1050. I went on, gone. All shows, all of the reprised, gone, gone. That show sold out, I think, faster, I, I think, I might be wrong here, but it was one of the fastest shows to sell out at the Met. And, um, and, and, and what a powerful time too, because this, you know, COVID hadn't started yet. Yeah. And, you know, the, the whole, all the riots and stuff really hadn't started yet. So here was this, it was, it was, it was kind of sad because here you had this amazing moment for black singers. And the black opera is now not just, you know, well done, but it's some of the most exquisite, extraordinary talent, this mm-hmm. world, has on it on the planet and so um so that was an amazing moment for the met um and so you know the met's not getting everything wrong um but and i think that the, i to, to to kind of comment on that uh i don't know i i can't help but wonder michael is the met just so concerned about protecting itself mm. uh and, and 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 it's clout and the esteem it's the met you know mm-hmm. so i don't know is, is, it, is it is it protection i don't know but
3: during
0: and it it is time we're seeing a lot of people who or a lot of organizations who have chosen to do things that are more for the community, and you can tell that they're for the community for the times, and so it it looks if we're gonna talk about it in that way if they're just trying to protect their image, then it's kind of like all right, then we're getting into the shallows here about right oh well, we don't really care about what's going out there, our connection with the community, but we care about
1: this and sure. how we look, and like yeah. I will you say one myself? thing. I just got reminded of it. There was one brass quintet show they did. I saw it. There was one brass quintet show they did because I follow the principal trumpet, one of the co-principal trumpets there that I saw one brass quintet show if from my knowledge. So I will want to state that just in case anybody's watching. Um, there was, I know, of one performance, but even if there's one, I think a lot more people should know about it. Anybody should know about it because like if, it, I, if I had $10 laying around and they would want to give a I I would give them $10 because they live in New York. These fam, yeah. families live in New York. And it's like our profession that we aspire to be like, who wants? Who would not want to be a musician in the Met Orchestra? Or a singer on the Met stage? Like, yes, let me back up Renee Fleming because that is my girl. Like, I will do it. I, I can't sing, so put me deep in the choir, but I got you. Hey, you know, we... They just want voices. Okay. <laughs> All of those voices are,
5: I mean, I mean, we, I mean, the, the paycheck to be in the chorus there is, is, is phenomenal. <laughs> so believe me, you're getting some real good talent uh, oh. that, you know, but okay. So let's the matter at hand here with, um, with Maestro Levine. Um, I, I think I feel I'm just as kafuddled about it as everyone else, right? Because the man clearly lived two lives. And um, and I think that we, I think, I don't know a lot of the information. I know this. I think that if people did know about this and it was swept under the rug, shame on you. And what you should have done is stepped up and said, how can we get you help? How can we protect you so that nothing happens or, you know, what can we do to help you? Because you are too important to, uh, to lose you. But apparently they felt that way, but they made the wrong choice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know this, I know, that, um, I know that he mentored a lot of people along the way and whatnot. I would say this and I'd say this to anybody out there. Uh, my rule always is if you are under 18, your parent is in the room, period, end of story, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and if I were a parent, I would be in the room, end of story, period, end of story. <laughs> and I have, I, know, I teach teenagers and a lot of them still, when they get to be 17 and, you know, 16, they're, is my mom still really, yes, your mom does. Yes. Your mom yep. would be here. Um, and so there's that. And so I just want everybody uh, to know how to protect themselves out there. Um, you know, I think that's a very smart rule. It might be a bit, um, I, I, you know, uh, uh, a lot, but I, I think it's a rule. Just, just so everybody knows out there, because things can happen and things can be said. Uh, you know, and um, but in this case, uh, you know, th- th- I'm not talking about James Levine. I'm talking about all of you. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> what you guys need to remember to do. So, yeah. as a parent, I would be very, um, you know, people will, some people will look past a lot to make. If their kid is going to benefit from it Mm.
3: Mm -hmm.
5: as a teacher i've seen this and it's disturbing because is it for you or is it for the kid what are you doing here um and so you know so there's that it is hard to dismiss the fact that that man waved his hands and made some of the most i mean there will i don't i think i will ever be able to hear rosen cavalier the same way after what he did and every singer that has ever worked with him you know they'll say jimmy was um it's just different singing with him it's just different he just he just knows where you are and just feels where you are and if you're about to make a mistake he's already ahead of you he already sees that you're going to make this mistake he already sees you're going to take this breath that you're not supposed to be taking right there and he he you know he he fixes it and so, um, you know they, a very talented person. A lot of very extremely talented people also suffer from, you know, other other things. You know we have we see a lot of people who have some mental, you know what have you? Um, and perhaps this is something that maybe carried over from his childhood, which is you know also sad. Um, but, uh, you know, should we throw away all of our recordings? I think that was what it was. Re- uh, the the article was called wasn't it? What was, uh, it? should I throw away all my recordings of James Levine or, was that what it was called? Oh, or, uh, the genius worship must end? But, no, it, there was another article out there that okay. I think it said, uh, maybe it was the New York Times that said, you know, should I throw away all of my James Levine recordings? And well, yeah, mm-hmm. no, I mean, those, those artists are, it's more than one person you know, mm-hmm. doing all that. You know, so it is a shame, it's, it's, it's a stain, it's a stain on our profession. It's a stain on the Met, certainly in Boston. It's, uh, and it's ugly. And I'm just, I guess I'm glad that this was, that it completely wasn't swept under the rug. I'm glad that it is out there as it is right now. And, and I think we've seen a lot of people in recent years uh, take advantage of their fame. Uh, and, 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 uh, and, and I think that, I think it's, I, I think it's very, very, very unfortunate. Because we've yeah. seen a lot of ugliness in recent years, um, mm-hmm. and 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 um, you know, I don't, I personally can't identify with what goes through that head, or you know, what 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 fame maybe does to you. I, I'm not sure if it's that, or if it's just you're a white male and you get away with whatever you want to because you're a white male.
3: Yeah, um, yeah.
2: and you know, uh, there's one part of the article that really, when I read it. I got chills um and it was the part of the article and i'll read it really quickly um it is by ben miller he describes um his father was a boston symphony orchestra cellist um sat him down at the age of 12 to inform him about the serious rumors about the uh levine being inappropriate with young boys um his father uh told him don't be in the room along with him miller's parents told him walk the other way if you see him coming um, and that really, you know, kind of put every hair on my body up, um, that at the age of 12, and I related this back to the, the the Black talk that I had with my parents about, you know, you get pulled over mm-hmm. by the police, this and that, be this and that, and here is that same, uh, uh, a conversation of that same caliber about a man, and it, it's yes. disgusting, and here we go, um, this article also talks about when he died, the Met just put up everything about him, and that's what uh, kind of fueled our topic about pay your artists because they kind of put up this whole thing about Levine and everything. But here you have struggling artists here, still you have they still are struggling right now.
1: What was what was the settlement? I believe the
2: settlement. So um, later in the article, it talks about how. Uh, Levine actually had um, sued the Met uh, after they tied any type of uh, um, ties with him. And mm-hmm. he walked away with $3.5 million from that lawsuit that the Met had to pay him. Um, because so, he spoke, they spoke on his name.
1: Yeah, and so what I'm just like, you were talking about, like, you said a cellist telling their son or daughter, whatever. That's talking about their boss. So this is like, it is happening people know it even if it's no, just up. a rumor even if it's just a rumor, that's my like I of course James Levine awful person should not have been covered up that long that's my thing how long was it covered up by these grand organizations that we hold in regards that he was able to do this but because he walked out on stage and made I will agree he made amazing music wonderful music but because he could do that one thing he could ruin X amount of lives. It was like a lot of other amazing pop culture figures who could do these amazing things, but ruin X amount of lives that I think everybody listening and everybody on the podcast knows, but we will not name. You don't want you know, to. Okay. I, I, yeah, yeah. Two things. I mean, well, there's one. Um,
5: first of all, I mean, I feel like it's 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 warranted to say, if James were Levine were a black man mm. or a Mexican man. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. I'm not Done. gonna finish
5: that statement. Done. I don't need to finish that statement. Absolutely. Can you imagine the names that would have been thrown out there? And yeah. you, do you think that a black man would have walked away with a $3.5 million settlement? He nope. wouldn't have lasted that long.
1: He wouldn't nope. have gotten first. Probably wouldn't have gotten there,
5: yes, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. but you know, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, you remember in the, in the gymnastics world, there was that one doctor that was abusing girls. Yes. And He was, you know, apparently this unbelievable doctor that was the best at, you know, and so he got away with this because he was such an amazing doctor. And so Michael, to that, I say, there are other doctors. (laughs) Truly. There are a lot of people who know how to wave a fancy stick in front of a lot of artsy-fartsy musicians, okay? Mm -hmm. And we, I don't care how, I mean, yes, you're you're amazing. That's great, but you've done something. And we've got other people. Who can do your job? Everybody can be replaced. Okay. That that's something that me and Anthony talk about quite often. You can't just be an employee in any situation. You can't just be an employee. You have to be a human being that's doing the right thing by others all Mm -hmm. the time. If you're working at McDonald's or you're on the, you know, the 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 conducting the med orchestra. You know what I mean? And so if 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 a teacher did that, they would be fired in negative three seconds. Yep. Like. for abusing children. It snap a bit, but if this, you know, if, if all these allegations are true, if, if a high school if it does, if a high school teacher abused a child, they would be they would be fired, never allowed to ever have a license again and will register as a sex offender.
3: Yeah.
5: In every neighborhood that you know what I mean? Okay. But James Levine, he he, I mean, if this is true and there are children, if that this person does that.
4: Mm.
1: Right. It's something a reoccurring theme and i think lauren's about to talk about this i'll segue into hers hopefully a reoccurring theme we've talked about on relative pitch almost every episode is this pedestal that we put people on we gotta knock it out because everybody puts on their clothes the same way everybody wakes up the same way everybody brushes their teeth hopefully the same way and everybody goes to bed and i'm gonna let lauren say what she was about to say Mm.
0: Yeah, like, um, you know, we're going through Wagnerism by Alex Ross, you know, within the podcast and throughout this entire, that entire series, it's been a question of, like, I mean, it's like, should we hold this music up to that? I mean, knowing the past and like, yeah, if, if we dig back deep enough with almost anyone, I think we can find something negative that they've said or done. But at the same time, when you're putting this person up on such like, and the, the Boston Globe says it perfectly, like era this um, era of genius worship must end with James Levine. And it is genius worship. It's saying, oh, we just, nothing can take this person down. Yes, it can. Um, first of all, I don't care how good you are yet at waving a stick or singing or playing an instrument or being a doctor or whatever. I don't care if you're not a good human being and you don't have morals, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm going to look at you just as anyone else who would have committed said crime or harassment or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so these people, you know, my main thing is whenever, and I think this was a lot of people were saying whenever James Levine passed away, seeing people go, oh, the world is crying. We are aching the losses of maestro and all this. I'm like, no, I hope that those families of those kids are celebrating. I hope the kids have some type feeling of relief. You know what yeah, I mean? that's like, it. Because I'm, I'm centralizing now the victims of mm-hmm. what's happened instead of centralizing, oh, well, let's not talk about it. He had some skeletons. In it. No, he he hurt people. He hurt people. And so this idea of like, listen, it's cool if they want to keep the recordings up. If we want to say those are the best recordings of those things, cool. The the company and the performer should not have to suffer for said person. Now, uh, do they deserve karma coming back for them for pushing those allegations down and, and uh, paying him off and doing all those things that did nothing to help the victims of the situation? Yeah, they deserve that. So whatever's coming to them, you 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 what is it you reap what you sow so there you go but it's just i'm i'm sick of this i this putting someone up so high and fawning and gushing and when it's like when they die it's like okay well let's forget about what they did no let's not forget what they did because if you want to keep those recordings alive all their performances alive you're going to keep all the negative things that happen alive as
5: well and the victims i think um should be the recipients of his royalties yep
3: absolutely
5: 100%. until i mean and their and their children should hey, be received and their children's yeah. children yeah and uh you know because uh he's dead so um yeah I, And I, mean, I feel like just put it out into the universe think about it people
1: uh, go back smart to and i think <laughs> what lauren just said the relief they probably felt the mi- oh, on march no. 8th i think is when it happened the, 8th, the relief I'm, they probably felt was like oh my god I like, Man. he yeah. left the world so there's like I feel like there's a way off they're like oh my I don't have to look over my back even though he's not there I don't have to look over my back anymore yeah or like and it's, it's just like and I just read on here nearly 40 years yeah um at the beginning of his career he had
2: uh what they call leave which were young boys who did
1: Wagner, his, Wagner- his, will, his will
2: was And that right there, the fact that he had a modern day harem of young boys that did whatever he 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 asked them to do is just disgusting. It's disgusting. But I feel like we could talk about um, Mr. Levine and all of his deeds for a very long time. And and I don't think I think what exactly what we just said. I am so glad. I hope that the victims of all of this. Have some type of relief and please can we get somebody on on, on the call to be like these people need royalties
3: be, royalties please
2: yeah
0: I pay my people their work money when they're work, due
5: yeah. that is and it. i think the i think that it's incumbent upon all uh music educators out there right now because communication is key right
3: yes. yes
5: we have to know what it is in order to know how to protect ourselves from pull it pull the rug up pull the rug and up. so it is completely okay for every band teacher voice teacher to say to their students private lessons are a thing mm-hmm. you need to know that people can take advantage of you mm. and i i think your mom or your dad needs to be in the room exactly. now i do it not only for my protection but i want mom and dad to know what they're paying for uh, <laughs> I mean, yep. you know you're spending money on me, I want you to see the product right yeah. but 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 it's also you know it's, it's, it's just it's a practice that we need to be doing. everyone needs to be doing this. I would never ever 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 be in a room with a ch- with somebody under eighteen years old, never by just the two of us never never and um and nor should anybody else you know what I mean because I, I just think this, but it's incumbent upon us as music teachers to say this 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 is a thing, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And you need to know, and if it does happen to you, uh, you need to tell me, I want to know. Mm. And if you're ashamed or you're embarrassed or you're scared, I understand that, but I need to know. You must right. tell me, and, you know, and um, because people love you and they don't want this to happen to you. Yep. Should it happen to you? So if it does, you have to tell me so that it doesn't happen to somebody else. Mm. And so when we're all talking about this stuff and we're not ta- saying the word, you know, We're not afraid to say the word molest. We're not afraid to say, take advantage of, we're not afraid of those words. Then we've we've got control a little bit better, right? Communication. Absolutely. Yeah, and everyone
0: watching this, like that, I mean, whether you're an educator, or in a situation yourself, like reach out to someone, say, you know, and yeah, as educators, I feel like it is a responsibility to go. Yeah. My kids need to know, need to understand that there are situations where someone who's going to be in a higher position than you, you're going to feel like you have to respect them. Like,
1: Oh, I don't know if I should say anything. You say something, say Mm -hmm. something. And even if something hasn't happened, but Mm -hmm. there is messages and vibes that you do not like, you have all the right, if you're paying for private lessons, you have all the right to have whoever you want in there, or yep. record it. Yep. Like, record it, you have, yes. You have all the right, like, I mean, I know all my lessons I take, I record it, because I like to go back and listen. Well, you have like, Every musician should be doing that. Exactly, yeah. but you have the right to record, you have the right to have anybody in that room. If you are paying someone, it, it like it's like in college, if you pay for your college, it should be exactly the experience you want, and if you're not getting that, you should say something about it or get help. And I, I will help you if I need to, so will Lauren, so will Anthony, yeah. anybody will help you. Yeah, and we're living now
5: in this time of cancel culture, aren't we? Isn't that a fun word that we've come, um, uh, that has a hundred thousand meanings in it. Right. And to that uh-huh. I say, well, you know what? Some people need to be canceled, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah, some people need to be canceled. I have friends, um, male and female, who have been in situations with uh, uh, conductors or directors or basically people who can make or break them, right? Yeah. And I, I, yeah. I, I have my list of names of 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 people that I know have um, acted inappropriately with my friends, male and female. I want to add. Mm-hmm. Um, and what do you do when somebody your career is, you know, in their or at least it feels like it's in it's in their hands? And so we again we have to start spreading the message of call it out call out culture you know what i mean i don't care how good you are at waving that fancy stick we can find someone else there are a million and one brilliant 30 year old conductors Mm -hmm. who were chomping at the bit to have that job and wouldn't hurt people yeah i don't care how good you are at it. i can find somebody who's good at it and doesn't hurt people exactly so calling it out and um, you know it, it's, it's a thing and, um, and, and so you know there's a lot of craziness right now I wish you guys could see my Facebook feed Oh my, God. I so, think Facebook just needs to be eliminated at this point uh,
2: but I, I think this was a, such a great conversation to have all of this yeah. we talked about today has been so good first of all thank you so much Professor Wedge for agreeing to be on our podcast oh it was so much fun have these open conversations it's so good seeing you I haven't seen you in so long since I've graduated so oh, it is so cool. good to see you again but
5: thank you so much uh, for you guys here. gotta have me come down to that high school I will drive down there Oop. have me come visit come on come down you guys have a good choir program
2: we working hey okay. <laughs> let me help you there we go
0: there we I go the, the I heard the choir directors are work in progress though I will say
2: that Yes. Well, yes. I
0: heard he can't be the
5: down there and let me give the choir director Dale. <laughs>
2: oh I'll take it. Well, thank you so much, Professor Wedge, and I hope everybody enjoyed our episode. Please follow all the links below to all of our social media. Please like, comment, share, everything like that, and we'll
3: see you next week. Bye. Go, owls. Yes.